0: And I invite you this morning to, again, turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17 this morning. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And as you turn to Luke 18, we have two more sermons, I think, on prayer before we start our Easter series, which is coming up. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been meditating on some very big things like the importance of incorporating times of silence in our prayers, because silence in prayer gives us the opportunity to bring our loud hearts to Jesus and find rest, refreshment, hope, and stillness in his presence. Uh, we've talked about how what we pray for regularly actually shapes our hearts, and that that's why Jesus calls us to pray regularly for justice, because as we talked about, justice in the Bible is aimed at restoration and flourishing of our life together with God here on earth. And then last Sunday, we talked about how prayer can not only shape our hearts, but reveal our hearts. The the way we pray for others and the way we speak when we pray with others can actually be used by the Spirit to reveal if our hearts are set on Jesus' goals and desires or our own. And I'm hoping and my prayer throughout the series has been that we've all been taking these things back to our own prayer time. I'm hoping that you've all been including regular times of silence in your prayers, setting a timer even for 30 seconds, one minute. Uh, that you've started including regular prayers for justice in your prayer time, even if you're just saying, Lord, let there be justice in my life and in the life of the world. Uh, focusing especially on the peace and reconciliation elements of that justice. I hope if you were here last Sunday, you tried maybe paying attention to how you're praying so that if there's contempt lurking in your heart, as there was in the crowds when Jesus was speaking, that you can repent of it and seek humility and seek mercy. Now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor Matt, you've given us a lot to think about and practice over the kind of two months we've been doing this. I don't know if I can take another thing. Well, that's okay. Okay. Uh, Because uh, today's sermon is going to be a little bit shorter, and it's going to focus on one concept, and that is Jesus welcomes us anytime. And we're talking about this because at the heart of prayer, regardless of what that prayer is, whether it's a prayer for justice, or a prayer of thanksgiving, or a prayer of repentance, or a prayer of silence in Jesus' presence, at the heart of all those prayers and every prayer is this fundamental, foundational conviction that Jesus wants to welcome me at any time because he wants to spend time with me. Jesus wants to hear from me. Jesus wants to sit with me. Jesus wants to walk with me. Jesus wants to deal with me. Jesus wants me, all of me, no matter how I'm coming, right now, without exception. That's the point of this sermon. Uh, It's to encourage us that when we pray, we're talking to the God who wholeheartedly welcomes our prayers at any time and who pays complete attention to us when we pray. And uh, kids, I think you're going to be particularly interested in this sermon because this whole passage is about you. Uh, And so the points are on the wall. Let's read our passage, Luke 18, 15 to 17, pray, and then we'll reflect on all of this together. Luke 18, starting in verse 15. Now they, that's the crowds, were bringing even infants to Jesus that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. Thus far the reading of what can only be God's own word. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, as we hear your call to enter the kingdom like children, we desire to do that. Uh, we want to know the, the the assurance that you will welcome us at any time without hindrance. But Father, we know that uh, we will not have that assurance. We will not have that child likeness unless your spirit works it out in us. And so, Lord, we pray that your Spirit now would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe your word. Father, may the words of my mouth as your preacher, and may the meditation of all our hearts as those called to hear and receive your word. May it all now be pleasing in your sight. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So after Jesus has just finished two stories about prayer, the ones that we looked at over the last two Sundays, we're told in verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to Jesus that he might touch him. So you can imagine mothers, fathers, grandparents, maybe older siblings, taking these babies over to Jesus. Now it's important to notice that there's no sign that these babies were sick or that they were ceremonially unclean. There's nothing wrong with them. There's no sign of any danger. They just want Jesus to touch their baby. Why? Well, I think it's because for us, touch is an important sign of welcome and love. And this is especially true for babies because babies can't talk. And depending on how young these babies were, they're not going to even understand what is being said to them. But all babies understand touch, just like all of us do. Holding hands, hugs for babies, uh, the Gucci's on the bottom of the foot or the cheek, those are all ways of showing love. And showing love to babies. And that's what these families want for their children. They want Jesus to show their babies that he loved. Them. But then in the second half of verse 15, we read, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Uh, two things here. Uh, first, more literally, the text reads, when his own disciples saw it. Now here's why that's important. Luke, like Matthew, Mark, and John, are all very clear that Jesus actually has lots of disciples during his ministry. Back in Luke chapter 10, so significantly earlier in Jesus' ministry, maybe a year or two earlier, Jesus sent 72 disciples out to preach the kingdom of God. At various points in his ministry, Jesus has lots of disciples, apparently close to 100 already at the very beginning of his ministry. But within that larger group, he has the 12, the ones who we usually think of as the disciples, And these are the ones who live with Jesus day in and day out. They are the ones who get regular, direct instruction and constant guidance. The twelve by far have the most regular and consistent contact and mentoring and teaching from Jesus. And to distinguish the twelve from the rest of the disciples, Luke uses the phrase, his own. That's important. Because the people who have spent the most time with Jesus, the people who we would assume would represent Jesus' heart and desires, most faithfully and most consistently, they rebuke these families for bringing their babies to Jesus. Why? Well, the text doesn't say explicitly, but the reasons aren't going to be hard to guess. The disciples are people. We're people. Uh, And so I don't think... uh, The reasons are going to be hard, and there's probably going to be several of them. I don't think we need to pick just one, because there are 12 disciples, and they probably each have their own versions of reasons. But certainly one reason would be uh, that infants, babies, are not quiet when you want them to be. Uh, Babies break decorum. They annoy sometimes. Yes, they do. Don't put on a pious face. Uh, How many of us have had babies that started crying in a church service when we didn't want them to or a wedding, or a funeral, or during an important conversation when we're on the phone, or 3 a.m., and 3.15, and 3.30, and 4, and 5 a.m. Right? How many have had babies not sleep when they are supposed? To? Anyone who's been a parent, or been an older sibling, or just an observer of human life, knows the feeling of annoyance and frustration when babies don't do what's convenient helpful for you. So it's perfectly reasonable to assume that the disciples were annoyed by crying babies when they were trying to talk to Jesus. That's one possible reason. Here's another possible reason. I think it's probably one of the bigger reasons. Uh, In Jesus's day, children were not socially important. As a matter of fact, children were generally only one rung higher on the social ladder than slaves. So slaves are at the bottom. Children are next. Uh, And in fact, while this wasn't true in Jewish culture, in Roman culture, children were not considered humans. Not yet. They were pre-human, partially human, on their way to being human, if they were a man. Uh, If you're a woman, you were considered a deformed human forever. Uh, So they're not fully human. And again, while this wasn't a Jewish perspective, We all know how hard it is to keep prevailing cultural views from impacting our own view, even if we don't agree with it, Cultural pressure is real. And so it seems to me that not only were these babies a danger to the quorum and to the disciples' own listening, not only did the disciples feel that uh, they might get in their way and maybe they were getting in Jesus' way, I think it's also very likely that they weren't valued Why should they get to be in Jesus' presence? They're not important. We're important. They're important. Not important. And then maybe you could add that to the fact that uh, these are infants, which means that they can't really even start the discipleship process in any meaningful sense. They can't necessarily understand what Jesus is saying if they're three months old or two months old or three weeks old. Why should they get time with Jesus? Why do they get the favor of his attention? Why do they get to scream and Jesus stops talking to this person, me, Peter says, or Matt says, and now looks over and talks to this baby? Uh, Now, before moving on to Jesus' response, let me just say this. Um, My friends, most of us in this room have been disciples of Jesus for a long time. Like the 12th. And like the 12, we can assume that we know the kind of people that Jesus wants to be bothered by. And we can, in Jesus' name, as the disciples did, refuse to allow the people that we find annoying or unsettling or inconvenient or not culturally valuable into Jesus' presence. Why we don't always invite them to church, sit next to them, When they start talking, because they're going to say something that's going to make us look dumb because we're associated with them. Oh, none of us have ever done that, right? Uh, And because we've been with Jesus for a long time, there's an assumption that people will make, like they would have made with the 12, that our rejection of them, our hindering of them must represent Jesus' rejection and hindering of them. Because after all, don't we know him best? Haven't we had the most mentoring and the most teaching and the most time with Jesus? And I think that's Jesus' fear uh, because Jesus doesn't want anyone, including babies, to think for one moment that he will not welcome them or love them or include them in his kingdom. And that's why we get the first half of verse 16. But Jesus called them to him. So I want you to picture it, right? There's, There's crowds of people, hundreds of people. And maybe there's a line to meet Jesus. I mean, that would make sense. How else would hundreds of people who gather around ever get a chance to meet with him or or talk with him if it's if it's just chaos? In fact, you can see in the Gospels that when things do get chaotic, Jesus has to withdraw to a boat or leave to avoid being crushed. So there's hundreds of people, there's maybe some gathering over here, people who've already talked with Jesus, people are waiting, there's a line. Uh And uh, the disciples are managing that line, and that would make sense. We know that that's a task that uh, the disciples of important rabbis would have, managing this line of people to come meet Jesus. And now I want you to see Jesus watching the disciples send the babies away with saddened families. And I hope you can see Jesus saying, wait, 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 hold on one second. And then he calls his 12 disciples over to him privately. I think it's important to note that it's private, especially after just saying that we can fall into the same kind of pit that the 12 disciples did. It's good to see Jesus deal with them gently. He calls them over to him. He talks with them privately. He doesn't shout at them in front of the crowd. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't kick them out. He doesn't reassign them to less important duties. He doesn't insult them. He doesn't replace them with people who will know better and do better. No, Jesus brings them over privately and he instructs them. He teaches them. He, met, he is their teacher. He's their rabbi to his students. And he tells them gently but firmly, guys, you're not doing the thing that I want. Uh, you're, not, you're not actually representing me well here. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, and then he sends them back out to go do it. And though the text doesn't say this explicitly, we know he must have sent them back out because that would be their job. It's good to see that uh, with Jesus, errors, mistakes, failures, sins, they're never final in our relationship with him. They never define our relationship with him or with his people. Our mistakes, our misunderstandings, even our sins, they are never ever cause for Jesus to throw us away. No, for Jesus, who loves us and who wants to live with us, they're simply opportunities for him to forgive us and instruct us and help us grow into maturity. And then, like the disciples, he sends us back out to give us new opportunities to obey him in his name. Okay, so what does Jesus tell them that he wants them to do? Well, he says the second half of verse 16, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says, let the children come to me, he uses a Greek word for permission that is expansive. It's big, it's open, and it's welcoming. Uh, The word there is actually one of the words that the Bible uses most often for forgiveness in the New Testament. And when it means Forgiveness, it's this idea of there no longer being any possibility of judgment. Your record of debt is completely canceled. You're free from danger. Life with all of its fullest possibilities has been reopened to you. When it's used for permission, like it is here, it means open access. Like when you go over to someone's house and you have full access to all of the rooms, Uh, even mom and dad's bedroom, right? You have permission. Go forth. It's open. So that's one part of what Jesus says. The second part that makes that access even more expansive, he says, do not hinder them, meaning do not put limits on them coming to me. Which, if you think about children, must have sounded crazy to the disciples, because children, and notice Jesus has expanded from talking about infants who cannot go where they want to children who very much can go where they want. Uh, children don't normally wait their turn or ask for permission when they want to go somewhere or do something. Uh, when you're talking to someone, what do little kids do? They interrupt you. Uh, they run up and they say, Mom! Mom! dad, grandpa, grandma, Pastor Matt, I have a thing. I need you to see the thing. And you reply, hold on a second while I finish. And then what do they do? Wait patiently. No, they don't hold on. They keep talking. And what we will have to do is we'll stop them or we'll get another adult to uh, talk to them, take them away for a second. And that's not wrong. I think that's right for us to do that. That's a part of parenting and discipleship, but that's not the way Jesus wanted his relationship with children to be. Jesus' relationship with children is unique in many senses, but maybe especially in this one, Jesus tells the disciples, whenever a child wants to come to me, let them. Don't get in their way. They have full access and no restrictions ever. Do not hinder them. Not even wait one second till he's done. Do not hinder them. Let the children come to me. But Lord, what if you're listening to someone pour out their heart to you? Let the children come to me. What if you're in a meeting? What if you're tired? What if you're eating? What if you're doing the most important thing, which is instructing us 12 disciples? Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't stop them. Don't slow them down. Let the children come to me, no matter how many are coming, no matter how loud they are, no matter what I'm doing, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter the time of day or night, let the children come to me. This is Jesus telling the disciples that these indecorous, annoying, in quotes to the disciples, uh, culturally unimportant people, have no-knock refrigerator privileges in his house. Uh, You know about no-knock refrigerator privileges, right? Like where you know someone and you trust them and you love them so much they can walk into your house anytime, even if it's it's 3 a.m., open the refrigerator and get something out to eat. That's the access that Jesus tells the disciples. He wants these children to have. Why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In Jesus' preaching, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the name for God's home with his people. The kingdom of God is the place where we live with God in forgiveness and in perfect hospitality and welcome and in the fullness of life. It's the place where God pays attention to us as our father, and it's where he soothes us like our mother, as the scripture says. The kingdom of God is the place where the light of God drives away the darkness of sin and where the welcome of God drives away the shame of rejection. The kingdom of God is the place where we have life together with Jesus and we have it to the full. And these immature, unwise, unlearned, impatient, culturally unimportant children are welcomed in as equal, full members in the kingdom of God. Talk about a countercultural message, right? And my friends, just to throw this in there, um, this is one of the reasons why infant baptism, the baptism of covenant children, is so important to Jesus. And remember, this all started with parents bringing their babies to Jesus so that they could receive His love. And without getting into a full theology of baptism right now, don't we believe that baptism is a sign and seal of God's love and hospitality? In baptism, God says to children, and us. Welcome to my kingdom. Here you receive forgiveness and love from Jesus and access to Jesus whenever you need it and whenever you want it. I am here for you. I live with you. Welcome to my kingdom. That's what baptism is all about. Now, after all of this permission is given, Jesus then concludes by giving one of his difficult sayings. He says, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, the reason why this is a difficult saying is it's cryptic. What does it mean to enter the kingdom of God as a child? And to be honest, a lot of really smart people have said a lot of really dumb things about this verse. And I'm not being mean. I'm being serious. If you read commentaries, they will say things like, What does it mean to enter like a child? Well, it means you have to be childlike? And what are children like? children are quiet, and children are gentle, and children are eager to learn, and children are ready to listen, and children are sorry when they do bad things, and uh, children are patient. It's like, so these commentators have either never met human children or were never children themselves. Like, it's just crazy. Sometimes kids are like that, and sometimes they're like punched to the face. Like, it's it's not this way. So, what does this mean? Well, the context is about access, right? Unlimited, uncontrolled access to Jesus. It doesn't matter who Jesus is talking to. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter who he's with. If a child wants to come to me, even if they're all muddy and dirty and haven't bathed in several days and they can't speak words right, they're welcome anytime day or night. So here's what I think Jesus is saying. Whoever decides that they need to be the right kind of person and come at the right time and in the right way, they will never enter the kingdom of God. Because you know what? There will never be the right time when you are the right kind of person who will come in the right way. You'll always have some kind of sin that you're bringing with you. You'll always have some kind of event going on in your life that distracts you or makes you feel shamed or guilty or broken. You'll never be the most important person known by everyone. There will never be a time when you'll be able to say, You know what? I am all right. Nothing's wrong with me. The world is all right. Nothing's wrong with the world. And the moment must therefore be right for me to come to Jesus in my all rightness. And know that he'll go ahead and hear me now no my friends we need to enter like children who just don't care what jesus might be doing who don't care if it's inconvenient in quotes for him who don't care that we're muddy who don't care that we're bloody who don't care that we're crying who don't care that we're tired or he's tired who don't care that we haven't brushed our teeth who will take the risk of being shushed because you know what like Jesus, I need attention now. Jesus, I need you now. I need you to listen to me now. I need you to forgive me now. I need your help now. Jesus, I need you now. Right now. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the context. These kids just want Jesus, and they don't care who else wants him. I need him. Whoever... uh, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever doesn't say, you know what? I don't care what's going on. Jesus needs you now. And Jesus says that children can come into his presence at any time, for any reason, whenever they want. And then he teaches us that we should be like them. Because that's how you enter the kingdom by running to Jesus with the freedom and neediness and abandon of a child. And we can know, and as these children discovered, Jesus will welcome us whenever. He will pay attention to us whenever. He will help us whenever. We have no-knock refrigerator privileges in the kingdom of God. We can come to Jesus whenever we want, and he will receive us. And turn his face towards us and pay attention to us. Because Jesus wants a relationship with us. My friends, this passage is actually a a great transition point in Luke 18 about prayer. It's about prayer. Uh, Jesus is inviting you to pray like this. He wants us to invite others to pray like this. He wants us to invite the people that we don't easily click with, as the disciples did not with children, apparently to pray like this Jesus has opened the door to himself as wide as possible let them come to me and do not hinder hinder them we can go through whenever we want however we are coming with the assurance that Jesus will receive us and listen to us so as we practice silence and prayer as we practice praying for justice as we examine our hearts as we pray prayers of thanksgiving prayers for help or just prayers of conversation Enter like a child. If I can put it this way, go interrupt Jesus whenever you want, even if you're muddy and the words don't come out right, because he wants you to. Jesus wants you to enter into the fullness of of, uh, blessings of a relationship with him, which includes the invitation to come and receive the experience of his love at any time, no matter how you come, day or night, even if you don't have words, because he loves you and wants to give you himself. Let's pray like that. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us no-knock refrigerator privileges in your kingdom. I thank you that we can come into your presence whenever we want and in whatever state we're in. Thank you that you've blessed us with such a great love and thank you that our children are explicitly included in that love Uh, father please help us to trust in the open invitation that we have just received this morning and help us to have hearts like little children so that we can learn that the kingdom of god doesn't belong to the perfect but to those who want jesus and may we want him more and more and may we find out more and more uh, how deep and powerful his welcome is and we ask this all in His name, Amen. In response.